Hi, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma. This is a marketing podcast like you haven't heard before. It's about real connections and honest conversations. Why am I here? To remind you that you can fly. If you're brave enough to listen to that calling inside you, I'm here to serve you and show you that marketing can and should be honest, that the truth sells and authenticity wins. So how can businesses and brands build a real and authentic audience? The Authentic Audience Podcast gives you insight into growing your business and marketing strategies to gain real followers and loyal customers. Each week, I create a space of radical honesty for thought leaders and entrepreneurs who have built successful businesses to share their insights on business, marketing, relationships, life, and spirituality. Each episode is sure to remind you the power of storytelling and truth selling. Get ready to get real, get raw, get honest, and keep growing. Haley Jacobson is a writer and theater producer living in Brooklyn, New York. She founded Brunch Theater Company, an inclusive platform for emerging theater artists in 2015. In her writing, Haley explores mental health and wellness, sex trauma, queerness, and bodies. A writer in the digital era, Haley reaches an audience of over 18,000 readers on her Instagram. She self-published her first book of poetry, Write Like Prayers, in 2017, and she is currently writing her first novel. I have been quietly watching Haley on social media since I was introduced to her by a mutual friend a few years ago and have been blown away with um, how triggered I am sometimes um, in the best ways at reading some of your writings. So um, it's the definition of authenticity and what I'm constantly urging my clients to embody. And it seems that it comes so naturally to you. So welcome and um, happy to have you here. Thank you so much. Um, what's going on in your world? It is a crazy time. We're recording this in mid-November. I think this will come out early 2021. Talk to me about what's happening in your world today. Well, um, I live in Brooklyn, as you mentioned. It's a different Brooklyn than I've seen it. Um, I'm from New York, so I've experienced the city change quite a bit. Um, the only time I can really relate it to honestly is post nine 11. Um, mm. you know, people are saying New York is dead, which is just a ridiculous sentiment. It is certainly not dead. It is the most resilient uh, place. I believe, um, the most resilient city. So I'm just watching it, um, shift and change and hibernate in a way that it hasn't for quite a long time. Um, and I'm doing the same thing. I think, you know, my life, I don't feel like my life is on hold by any means. I think I'm just doing different things. I'm embracing um, a quieter side to things. I'm sort of zooming out, watching social media change as it does and as it should and watching how I um, interact with it as a writer and a creator. And that's been interesting. And then um, as you read in my bio, I am working on my first novel. Sometimes that means I am not working on it at all and thinking about how I should be working on it. And then some days I really, really am <laughs> putting pen to paper and that's been really amazing and hard. Um, and then besides that, I'm just trying to like, I feel like I can say this on this podcast, like manifest the life that I deserve. Um, you know, I, I'm woo woo with a clause. So 
you know, I do, I, I, I sit in my bed and I write down all the things that I, that I want and know, know that I deserve. And this just feels like a reflective moment for me. I think that that's so in resonance with so many, so many people, especially um, my listeners. I've, I've slowed down in a huge way. I had a huge burnout in March um, mm. and uh, April-ish and didn't really acknowledge it until May and just doing a lot of healing, a lot of recovering um, from these internal demons, I think, that that just have been brought up in such a big way um, during COVID. For me, I'm used to traveling and like being gone all the time and just being mm. home with myself. I'm like taking baths for the first time and, <laughs> and really tapping into this feminine side. And one thing that you said um, that I want to acknowledge in that, and it's something you talk about a lot, is the life that you deserve mm. and manifesting the things you deserve. And that's one thing that really inspires me about you because I tend to feel guilty a lot. And that's not like a healthy, talk to a lot of therapists on here. I have a lot of people mm. on here that are like, I think guilt is such a bad word to use right now as like a white privileged girl. Mm. Um, and it is something I struggle with in feeling like I deserve. And I think a lot of people have that unworthiness sort of trauma um, that we're trying to overcome. And I love that you say you deserve. Can you just unpack that and just talk more to that? Yeah. Um, I think guilt is like, you know, everybody feels guilt. I mean, how, how can we not? Like that's, especially if you were, societally raised as a woman like we 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 are we are asked to feel guilty from the start um I think the way that I operate under this premise of like we should have what we deserve is I just think when we try and look at ourselves the way that we look at our loved ones um especially when our loved ones are in a place where they're suffering for whatever reason I think, and I think many people feel this way when I experience that, I just want to make them feel whole and happy and safe and comforted. And that feeling inside me is overwhelming in those moments. And I know that my loved ones have felt that way about me, you know, thinking about the ginormous love that I've experienced from my parents, especially when I've been in my lowest moments suffering from mental illness. And my mom just saying to me, like, you know, you deserve to have a life like X, Y, Z, whatever we were talking about at the time. And, and then when I got better and I looked back on the times that I have felt sick or down, I just looked at myself and, and said, I absolutely deserve to feel better. Mm -hmm. um, and I always tell people, you know, who love my writing or follow along with me or come to my plays or whatever, and, and they are kind and generous with their affirmations of what I do, I just think, man, I wouldn't be doing any of this if I didn't choose to take care of myself and love myself. It's not really even about like self-love. I can still take care of myself without loving myself, hmm. um, depending on the day. 
but I just feel like we're doing a huge disservice to our life and, and, and the world around us if we don't do what we're good at. Mm-hmm. And you just can't do what you're good at if you don't feel like you deserve to. So I think noticing guilt and seeing that it's there and hearing it and acknowledging it is fine. I think getting rid of it is not something that we're really capable of. It's like really brainwashed um, in there and being like, okay, I'm going to set that aside. I do feel guilty. I feel guilt over so many things. I will be triggered by my guilt over and over and over again in this lifetime. So while that's over there in that corner, what can I do in the other corner? And, and maybe, maybe there's some, something more loving and soft in the other corner. Yeah. I think that that's just such a beautiful way of putting it. And for me, it's always like, I don't deserve this or Mm. what did I do to deserve this? So Mm. to switch the mindset, honestly, it's been, it's one of the reasons why I reached out to you now, because it's been just such an intense summer of mental health for me, getting on antidepressants for the first time in 10 Mm. years, um, being really vocal about that. And um, I have a business, right? I have like a very, uh, I have a marketing company. And so to be yelling from the rooftops about Lexapro um, (laughs) is a little off brand, but it's who I am. and And I don't want somebody to come work with me if they, I don't know, for me, truth and honesty is so crucial, like to the point where I think I'm like righteous in my truth sometimes. So (laughs) if you don't see all of me, I don't want to hide. So it's like a piece of, a part of me is like, well, how much can I shock? How much can I put it out there? Um, so that I almost like have said all of the things that, that could potentially come back at me to hurt me. Like I say it first and it's just this funny dance that we do and this funny game that we do. And the, the post, I actually want to read um, the post that triggered me the most, and I am self-aware enough to know that when I am triggered by something, it means I have to do it. So when I read this post is when I DM'd you and said, will you come on my podcast? Um, because <laughs> I was like this, po- I did not feel, um, it, it brought a lot up, and I've done enough work to know that that means it's worth exploring. So this was the post that you wrote. Um, you were reintroducing yourself to new followers and you were talking about who you are and what you do. Um, This part. um, I am a survivor and everything I write loudly is for the 16 year old me in me who is told to be quiet. I'm a Gemini. My brain is fucking sexy. And I think it's incredibly boring if you don't like me. (laughs) That's how I feel. And I have never felt the confidence to say that. I feel the exact same way. When I read that, I was like, fuck her for saying that. Like, (laughs) why don't, like, you know, it just had this reaction in me because I'm a Gemini. My brain is sexy, but I've hated it for so long of my life. How quickly it moves, how flighty I am, how quickly I change Mm. careers and, and whatever. And it's always like, oh, my Gemini is my downfall. And then to read that. And I think it's boring if you, I feel the same way. And so I was like, (laughs) that's the moment when I realized, okay, I want to talk to her because that level of confidence is such a gift. Mm. People think I'm confident and I could never post something like that. And so the level of confidence that I experience in your writing and just in you who be being who you are, I know this is such a silly example, but you do these like videos, like sort of twerking 
And <laughs> I twerk all the time. I dance all the time. Um, my friends and I literally send each other videos twerking and I would never. So it's like, I, I say I'm being authentic, but there's a level of me that I'm not showing. And, mm. and, and to decide and to walk that balance of what you do show and what you do share and have the confidence to do it is just such a gift to so many people. And I just wanted to mm. say that, you know, as somebody that people think, oh, she's super outspoken and confident and loud and law, like you take it to a place that like makes me shy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to know, does that come naturally to you? Was it ever a struggle to share so vulnerably? I had an artist on my podcast the other day and he said, the job of an artist is to be more vulnerable than your audience. And I just, really felt that, um, in a deep way. And, um, I just want to talk to that confidence and vulnerability that you have in everything that you share and just where that comes from and, and how, you know, your prayer for people, maybe like me or even way less confident than me, um, Mm -hmm. that are reading those words. Because when I read that, I was like, fuck, (laughs) (laughs) so funny the things that stick with people um yeah yeah, well first of all thank you I think I know that I know I know I'm a very confident person I know that 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 is not that's not new to me um my partner jokes with me like all the time like be the white cis man you want to see in the world because (laughs) I you know, like I'm very, I, I'm going to call your manager. I called someone's manager today. You know, I, I just try and call the, the right, the right managers and, and call in the right people. But the, the thing is, I think it's totally fair to be outrageously confident in the areas that you want to be and be a lot more gentle with the spaces in yourself that are not ready to stand in front of your phone and jiggle your butt to me that's not vulnerable i think the biggest misconception that people have about me is that um when i share something deeply authentic and honest um it's like i'm like opening the door to like a a big secret but I told myself that secret years and years and years ago. You know, I've had so much time to marinate on so many of these things. And for me, quite honestly, the most vulnerable that I can ever be with any person, and I will work on this till the day I die, is when I'm really, really soft and really silly. Because when I was a teenager, that was ripped from me so fast and I had to grow up so fast that I had to like stash my silliness, my goofiness, like way, way, way down, you know, in, in my suitcase. And I can't tell you the, the fear, like for an example, say I get high. I like to get high with my friends and like really giggle. That's something that I feel like I didn't get to do as a high schooler. But if I'm with new people, if, if I'm high and I'm laughing like harder than I've ever laughed before, I'm mortified. I'm so embarrassed because 
that is like, that is truly no filter, Haley. I can't curate that. That is like pure unadulterated joy. Um, and that kind of joy was stripped from me so young. So while I can do so many things, while I can, you know, articulate things in a way that maybe other people feel like they can't or, you know, be very explicit about sex and trauma and um, show my body in lots of different ways. I think it's cool that I do that. I really know how vulnerable that is for other people. Mm. But for me, the, the things that I'm jealous of in people are, are just, they come from my own deep traumas and wounds. And it's usually around like close friendships and just being with people and not for their skills, just being with them because, because they're deeply loved and silly and funny and stupid. It's really hard for me to be stupid with other people. Mm, I think that that is such a good clarification, right? Because that just defining what is vulnerable to you might look totally different. And I also think what's so interesting about the way that we're programmed is it comes naturally or more natural to be able to experience the darkness uh, than the joy. And when we're in joy for a long enough a time, amount of time, then the self-sabotage creeps in and it's like, well, how, like how long can this really last? When's the next shoe going to drop in like insert anxiety pending mm. doom here. Mm. And so for me, that's where my mental health, like even when I'm riding the, I really tend to now ride the waves. I've done so much work, so much therapy, so much this, that, and the other East, West, everything in between. And for me, it's just be where you're at. So when I'm low, it's just acknowledging that I'm in a low, a low place that I could get out of it if I really wanted to. And I'm actually mm. choosing to be here right now. I'm choosing to have a pity party and that's where I want to be. Um, and same thing on, but for me, it's so easy to be like, I'm low, I'm having a pity party. This is where I want to be. Eventually I'll come out. But when it's the other way, when I'm experiencing joy or total silliness or whatever that emotion is, not even emotion because anyway, semantics, but whatever that high is, that wave that I'm riding, um, I've similarly, um, will second guess or question myself when I go home, replay conversations I had in my head, um, doubt the moments of joy that, mm -hmm. and well, how long can this really last? Things are going really well, but, and it's like so hard to just sit in joy, whereas mm -hmm. sitting in a pity party, super easy. Um, sitting in joy, that takes a lot of work. And so, which is why I really, to just to circle back to you saying the life that you deserve and manifest things that you deserve, because that's what's it, what it's about for me too. And for COVID, my business is actually thriving. I have a marketing company. Everybody wants to take their work online. My courses are full. Um, uh, my clients are full. I have a wait list. And I, instead, I've had someone come on my website recently or on my podcast and they were like, oh, I'm doing really well. Like, I'm fantastic. Like, that was that's so hard for me to admit, but it's so easy for me to talk about burnout and depression and anxiety attacks and panic. But to admit that things are going really well, it's really, really hard. That feels vulnerable. That feels yeah. scary. So I definitely 
am with you there on the the vulnerability. And for me, a question I get asked a lot when I go on podcasts is, did, does it come naturally to you to, to be so authentic and honest and direct? Or, and how did you learn it? And the answer is I've been this way my whole life. Like I don't <laughs> understand. Um, and I know we definitely have this in common, like to, for to somebody to not speak the truth and not say how that, like, that just shocks me. Um, it's like almost hard to even imagine um, not being able to like stand up and speak your truth and be honest and confident in that way. So, yeah, so I get it. But, um, anyway, um, one thing I wanted to ask you is, um, I know you do a lot of work, um, you share a lot and you're actually one of the people I turn to in like political climates, um, in different situations when I don't really know how to respond or the right thing to say, or, um, all of these like white girl problems that I, we have, right. About wanting to do better, be better, not say the wrong thing. And I just turn to you a lot. I turn to Glennon Doyle a lot. There's a lot of people I turn to, to see, okay, how are they talking about it? How are they handling it? I don't have enough information. Um, and it's all over the place, the work that you're doing. Do you have like a why? <laughs> a, a why? Oh, that like question of like, what's your why? Like what, why do you, what gets you out of bed? Like, why do you do what you do? Like you are such an activist. You do so much from writing to sharing, to promoting, to posting, to this. Like there's always this like mission um, and it's really inspiring and like what motivates you um, to, to mm. constantly be doing this for other people? It feels very selfless. I'm just wondering, like for me, like my why is to help people remember who they really are. And mm. that's like why I do what I do, whether it's in my friendships or in my business or in my courses. It's like to remind people what you're meant to, what you're really doing, what your light is and what you're capable of. I'm just wondering if you have like a a why or a purpose or um, sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, again, I can probably only talk about this on, on this podcast, but, um, I had this boyfriend in college who, um, he told me that he, he liked me best when I was curious and quiet. He actually said that to me, um, which was a ridiculous a thing to tell anyone, a ridiculous thing to put a woman in a box. But, um, I came away from that relationship, like really scarred with this idea that I should be more, more of a private person. Like it, like it was good. It was of value to be private, to have secrets. Um, and I had so much shame over the fact that like, try, I, I would try as hard as I could to, you know, be, be cool and have, and, and want privacy in my life. Um, and it just, it was like, it failed me over and over because I would have these like outbursts or, or so I thought. Then I went to a workshop with Chani Nicholas, like before she got super famous, I went to like an in-person Brooklyn workshop, 35 people. I'm so lucky. Yeah. Um, and it was like a workshop on moon signs and we went through, we went through everything and I couldn't really tell you too much. Well, okay. Here, here are the main takeaways. The first takeaway was that she used only 
um, activists as the examples of different moon signs and, um, and would share their like sun sign too. And, and to show, like, to sort of like do that thing, like, you know, prove that astrology is real, like looking at what this person's, she did like Oprah and like Maya Angelou, right. like, right. you know, these amazing people's people, these warriors. And so I remember thinking like, oh my God, she's so amazing. She does exactly what she wants to do. This is her passion, but look how she's using it. Like, look how she is using it to shine light on the most important issues, mm-hmm. on the most important people. You know, she's, she's grounding the, the woo-woo in something tangible and real. And I love that. That isn't even what I was going to say to you, but I guess that is what came up and, and, and that gave me a lot of permission. And then the other thing that gave me a lot of permission was basically she helped me figure out that I had a, I have placements in the eighth house and the ninth house. And she said, eighth house people, uh, a lot of these people are famous producers while I run my own theater company. And the ninth house people are are educators and they're publishers and they should always be sharing their knowledge. They should never stop sharing their knowledge. It is their obligation to learn and share. They are teachers. They are publishers. Hmm. And I left that workshop. It was like this weight lifted off off of my shoulders. And I was like, I don't need to have any secrets. I don't need to be a private person at all. In fact, that is not my duty. My duty as a human being is to learn and share and learn and share and learn. And I could share as fast as I want to, and I should. And everything took off for me after that happened because I just felt permission. And that's when I started to really embody my mantra of like, if you're good at something, do it. That's your purpose. You are denying people of a gift if you don't share your own. And so for me, like, yes, I'm an activist. Like, I really fucking care. I, I love to put people on the map who have a voice that deserves to be heard. All of my plays that I choose are from artists who don't have an opportunity yet, who are just so amazing. And it makes, it does make me feel really good to have my name attached to those people. And I think it's a vice versa thing too. I mean, I had the last party that I threw, I love to throw parties. Um, It's so sad that I can't, I invited just like all these people that I love in the city. And I had multiple people come up to me throughout the night and they were like, What's crazy is I never come to a party and expect to like people there, but I know if I come to one of your parties, I'm going to meet the most amazing people. And it's like, it's true because like, I love brilliant people. And I, if there's anything that I can do for them is like hype the shit out of them. Right. Like, I absolutely believe that I should champion other people and put them on a huge pedestal. And I know I deserve that right back. That's the thing though. And you just said it. And I was going to go back to that. If you didn't have that understanding of, and, and I'm learning it and I'm learning it from you because for me, I'm the hype man for sure. 
I have, I relate so much to your story in so many ways. Um, I think our charts are very similar and just so many things that you post. I'm like, yeah, totally. And even <laughs> sharing that story, like my first real, I'm, I, now I can read charts and I'm like super into astrology, but my first reading like gave me permission to be me. Yeah. And like from that moment on, I walked in my truth. I like, you know, ran through my fire. Like I can't run fast enough. I can't think yeah. fast enough. I can't get it out. I can't share it fast enough. Yeah. And yeah. one thing is, you know, realizing that about myself and not expecting that of other people because nobody thinks as fast as we do and they, and they won't. And they so won't. just like letting <laughs> people just be where they at, they're at, but most importantly, it's that self-recognition that I deserve it too. And I think that's the part that I'm really working on now. I used to say when I was young, I wanted to work in Hollywood. I wanted to be a producer, funny. Um, and I did, I worked in Hollywood for a while until I met Rachel and moved to Aruba. And, um, at that point I had this dream of being the person on stage or the person that the person on stage was thanking. That was my dream. <laughs> is the person is accepting the award for doing whatever. And they're like, I couldn't do this without Chris. Like that was my dream was to be the person that literally got them there. It was never to be the one on stage. And what I've realized is you can be the center, the star and the supporting cast simultaneously. Like Absolutely. And, and I think what you're saying and what you're doing and your why I resonate with it so much is because to really be able to see the brilliance in other people, for me to really see that the brilliance in that post and not just be triggered by it um, and hide and instead to say, hey, I want to put you on my podcast um, after reading something that totally triggered me and threw me off. Um, that's what it takes is you have to have the confidence and you have to have the understanding that yes, you too deserve to be center stage. Yeah. And yet also your real purpose and what you're really good at is lighting other people up and you'll get that back. And that's what constantly happens. It constantly happens for every five podcasts I go on. I get five interviews. It's like this really beautiful yeah. dance and this really beautiful balance that only really comes when you're super comfortable in your skin. And I really appreciate what you said about being outrageous in the areas that you outrageously confident in the things that you're good at. Because if I get on a sales funnel masterclass, for example, I know that's like, sounds riveting to you, but if I get on a sales funnel masterclass to teach people how to like build their sales funnels authentically, I have a room of 250 people. It's no problem. Yeah. Right. So it's like, and I'm outrageous and I swear, and I'm like myself and right. I even like push the shock value a little bit because who doesn't like shock value? And so oh, totally. And so I think it's, it's finding this dance and I think that you do a really good job of it. Um, and it comes off authentically in a world where not very many things do. And so I want to sort of circle back to that and talk about authenticity and what really being authentic means to you when you decide to share certain things and what not to share and does authentic is authenticity important to you and in your art and your work and what you do? And like, what do you, I just want to talk about authenticity and your sort of take on that, especially in the social media space, because you're out there in social media, you're out there in the world, you are asking for the haters um, and the fans, like you are just calling it all in, in a big way. And it must be 
intense. Yeah. It's not that intense. <laughs> um, um, it is no. It it can be. It can be. Sometimes I get little to no haters, which is awesome. Um, no way. I think, yes, I, I I don't. I think the reason that I don't though is because I feel like I've set. I've like. I really don't like it when people are mean, and I feel like I have like set a spell around my social media space, and it really people really only come to me through like-minded-ish people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um it's like you're like calling it in look yeah to that a little bit more because I read something recently about your boundaries on social media that you wrote can you talk about that yeah yeah I have pretty strict social media boundaries um everyone who follows me is really well-intentioned and but they people can just really easily forget like um, like, I really believe that I am an author. Like that, that's like how I see myself. I'm a writer. Like no matter what lens you put me in, I'm going to tell you that I'm a writer. And so I believe that when you're entering my social media space, it is like my dig, it's a digital book. It's a, right. it's a, a new kind of book, um, in the digital space. So if you read a, an amazing book and it changes your life and you think about it every day, that's so awesome. What is the likelihood that you are going to go out of your way and tell um, the author of this book your deepest, darkest trauma in um, like a, an email? It's like, it's not that likely. I, I haven't done that. I, d- I have done that one time. I did that one time when I was very depressed. Um, and it was more of a thank you note. It wasn't right, but it stands, it stands out because I only did it once. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's appropriate by any means for anyone to enter into my messages, um, without a content warning, trigger warning. And in, in fact now, and people have been great at this, I want, I want people to ask, is it okay if I ask you a question this is the content that I will be addressing. Do you have time? Mm. And I can't tell you what a difference it makes. It makes a massive difference. The likelihood that I will say yes is so much higher because I am not being accosted by paragraphs upon paragraphs with all my scary trigger words. People, people will literally come into my DMS and say, my niece got assaulted, but they will use much more graphic language. And this is what happened. And I'm, I'm shocked. I'm absolutely shocked everywhere. Everyone is where they're at though, in what, what they find appropriate. And obviously they don't have those boundaries in their life. So how are they going to know to have them with me? That's okay. I won't shame anyone for, for, for their style of language and communication, because it's such a privilege to communicate the way that I do. And I've had lots of practice, Um, but I can't handle it. So I do, I just set up a lot of my boundaries. I put on my highlights. People can read it. There's lots of things. I love compliments. I love like silly stuff and I will have a great back and forth conversation if I have the time and space. And if you're not triggering me, like I'm probably not going to have a conversation with you about assault, but I am going to direct you to, um, where you can find a great therapist. Right. I think that's a big, a big, um, 
especially in your space and the things that you're writing and talking about, it opens it up um, for people to want to share with you and to feel seen by you, right? Because we all just want to feel seen. And I think that's one thing that I really have learned being a yoga teacher, Reiki master, and now, you know, business owner who's working with people's vulnerable, like babies, these launches they want to bring into the world. That's so vulnerable and so scary. Business is like so vulnerable and scary. And I think, um, when we share these really intense moments, it opens it up for people to want. Cause like I see you, right. And I want you to see me back. And so I want to tell you all this stuff and I want to prove that this, and I want to, and I think that that's, you know, another, another piece of feeling unworthy, um, and a way of, a way of behaving. And it used to happen to Rachel a lot, um, where she would share about her friend's death. Um, I was living with her at this time, at this really hard time in her life. And she was like publicly grieving and the messages that she would get. Um, now of course she, she directs them as well to therapists and, and resources and has developed an entire platform, um, to basically navigate these, these messages and these people. But I think it can be as simple as setting boundaries. Um, and I know she did. She did. After, <laughs> after she saw my post, she was like, Oh my God, you can do this. Oh, right. And, and, then, she, and then I was like, yes, please do it. You have millions of followers. So I have less <laughs> than 20,000. Like, so it's like she but had to build an entire platform platform instead of just being like, this is inappropriate. Um, just because I'm sharing. I mean, even with me, I'll share about mental health. And oftentimes I personally don't share when I'm in the height of a panic attack or um, in a low. And I wait until after I've come yes, out of it a yes. little bit. I've had the aha moment. The world, you know, we're not, you're not my therapist on Instagram. It's a a space. I believe if we have a presence, no matter how big or small, we have a responsibility there with our energy Um, and what we're sharing and being very intentional about it is it's sacred. Um, And people will write to me like, Hey, I want to work with you. I'm a therapist, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I'm not sharing this because this is a cry for help. I'm not sharing this because I want your or your sympathy or feedback or anything I'm sharing. And then the main, the main response I get, which I'm sure is the same from you is thank you for sharing this. I feel less alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's my point. And, and for you in sharing the stuff about boundaries is like now giving people permission. <laughs> what a concept to like set a fucking boundary, yeah. even if it's on social media. And I think just tying it all back, that's what you've really done for me and why I enjoy following you is because you give me permission to be me. And I think you're doing it for so many people because for everybody that doesn't reach out to you, right. Or for everybody that does reach out, there's 5,500 people that are sitting there quietly, which is what I've been doing on your social media for Mm. for a few years. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't until recently that I was like, shared some of the things you wrote, you know, started like being more active, a more engaged, you know, to use my words. Um, I'm a more engaged follower now. So if you ran an ad, a retargeting ad, it would, it would serve me now. But before I wasn't engaging with your content, I was just watching and I was just listening and I was just absorbing. Um, and it's powerful, the, the platform of social media. And I think that you just navigate it really well. 
and take a lot of the prana out of it. Like it doesn't oh, have to thanks. be so heavy. You can no, just it really doesn't a boundary. And um, again, this goes back to the confidence and like we deserve to have boundaries, right? And yeah. And I think they can be crossed in a million ways. For me, um, the boundaries get crossed. People are constantly like, what platforms do you recommend? What email things should I use? What yeah, should I post annoying. about this? And it's like, I get paid a lot of money to do this. So like you can book an appointment with me. Yeah, pay me. Pay <laughs> yeah, me. pay me and, and I'll help you and I'll grow your business, but I'm not just going to go back and forth. And there's this one person in my life, which is so funny. And he, um, I've been giving him free value for years. And I don't even really like him that much. And it's this weird thing where I want him to like me. And it's like every time he reaches out and I give him all of this free value um, without paying me, it's like this ego way to like prove. I know. You know, those people, I have those people in my life too. And it's like, we give them more of our energy. The people who deserve it. Yes, I, I have that. I, I do that with, um, businesses because I, you know, p- businesses will maybe reach out. I mean, I say no to like most brand deals. Like it, they just don't make any, I can't spin it in a way that makes any sense. Um, but I find myself giving free, really, really good free advice. Uh, and I just like, Haley, you have to shut up. Like 15 minutes of your time. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Because you are not a consultant. And if you are a consultant, you need to be paid for your time. But it, it is like, you know, it's my skill set. Like I, I have so much advice to give. I have, I, I like my therapist calls me a glow up facilitator. Like I just have a million and one ideas for how you could succeed and none of them will help me. <laughs> and I have to stop <laughs> because it is, it's, it's, it's draining and there's, there's no check attached to it. And for me, you know, I'm never going to be the kind of person who sets up like, you know, one-on-one consulting times with folks. Like, I just want you to read my writing and I just want you, when my book comes out, just buy my fucking book and make it, make it so that I never have to get a book deal again. Like just make it so that I just keep getting them. And like my time is coming and I know oh, that. Yeah. And so the ask, you know, the, the, the financial ask has not been put out yet and, and it will, but I, I just, I, I do, I want people to, to know that they can envision the safest way that they could ever feel and, and simply make it real, you know? And I think, I know that my followers feel safer now that the boundaries are in place. Like I like posted about being sick and not being able to get a COVID test. And I can't tell you how many people DM me being like, I'm so sorry you feel sick. If you're comfortable, may I suggest a location that you might want to try? Don't worry if you're not looking for advice. Like that is so great. It's not exactly what I mean, but I'm so glad that you're just applying my rules to everything because it's so considerate. And I know it makes that person feel better too, because they know they're caring for me. When you set boundaries, and I'm so glad this conversation has taken this turn because it's so, so important. When you set boundaries, people 
it actually makes everything easier because you're setting up the expectation. And I think one of the biggest things I see, especially in business is like, expectations that aren't specified, like deliverables that aren't specified. And as soon as you say, here are the expectations, here's what I'm going to deliver. Here are the dates, here are my boundaries. Here's what you can expect. This is what you're paying for. You get X amount of phone calls. I can be available by email for this hours. It's like, oh, and and that it feels so good. And people respond to them. And I've had somebody cross so many boundaries with me And it was because I wasn't setting them. And then as soon as I set them, they respond so well. Like people crave structure. People crave rules. People crave like a way of, of being. And I think that in a world on social media where it feels like it's a free for all, it feels like the wild west where there like are no rules, but you've really sort of paved the way I think for a really beautiful future on social media. And I've, I've unfollowed a lot of people. I've also muted a lot of people just because I don't want to, I don't want to deal with the shit that comes along with when somebody realizes you've unfollowed them. Um, which again (laughs) is like just my own, right. Like not wanting to have that. I don't want them to think this about me, whatever, but we get to control a lot of that space, a lot of that little square. And I just think that you have managed to use it as a tool like you said, you've turned it into a digital book, um, a way to grow your audience, a way to engage and make a lot of people feel seen while Mm -hmm. also setting really clear (laughs) boundaries, which I think also makes people feel seen. And for me, I'm always looking at, um, since I started working with Rachel, because she was one of the first accounts, you know, in in yoga to really blow up in that way. Yeah constantly looking at in my company, I can't really take my marketing hat off. It's a part of my art and I'm constantly looking at, well, what makes something work and why does it work and why do people follow it and why does somebody blow up and why does somebody not like, what is the deal here? And it's always about authenticity. Always. Um, It is always about authenticity. People can smell it a mile away, especially now with purchasing like products. Conscious consumerism is real. People care where their money is going. They're realizing that money is energy. Like we, we are waking up in a huge, huge way. Um, Consciousness is shifting. And I, I do believe that. And I think that there's people like you that are really at the forefront of using digital media in like paving this sort of new way, um, Mm. which is blending your art, your writing, your personal life, your love life, everything into this like personal brand where people want to read your book and they also want to know what hair products you use and like, you know, and walk that dance. And I just think that that's the future, you know, of this and Elizabeth Gilbert and Glennon Doyle, you know, they're, they're the, the bigs that come before us, you know, you're going to be like, you're there. Um, and it's there, it's already there. It's just like over there in the corner. You know what I mean? Oh, like, God, that's what it's, I tell ar- myself. It's, it's, already, tell it's myself. already, it's already happened, you know? And, and it's just, you don't even need to call it in. And one thing that I do want to share with you that's coming up is there's manifesting and then there's generating. And I think manifesting is like calling in something that's out there and generating is like creating something that's like already, it's already in you. It's just like bringing it out and there's nothing that needs manifesting. Like it's there. Um, anybody who follows you can, can feel it, can read it. The greats follow you, you know, my dream podcast guest, my dream hands down, like 
yet I've never reached out is Glennon. Um, she's my vision holder for like so much of what I want to do in the world. And you're like right up there, you know, you're there with her in my world. Um, you're on the list of writers. Like it's, you know, it's Glennon Doyle and it's Haley right there. So my God, thank you. And I think a, a lot of people feel that way. Um, I know they do um, about your work. And I've talked to a lot of people about your work. And so I'm just happy to know you and to support you and to meet you at this stage because it's already there. Like I can see it all. It's the, the intention is there. The authenticity is there. You have it. And it's like, you can meet somebody. Rachel has it. She had it before she was yoga girl. Yeah. She had it, but every room she walked into, um, you know, she, she had it. And it's one thing that I look at when I get on my consulting calls, it's you have what can't be taught and there's a lot that can be taught. And, and Mm -hmm. yet that you, you, there's a lot that you have that you you can't be taught. And I have some, a lot that can't be taught. And I think you give me permission to use that in a lot of ways. And something about that being outrageously confident in those areas that you're really good at. And then maybe I don't need to have a dance party and post it. Maybe I don't need to show off my twerking skills for another five years. And that doesn't make me any less authentic. No, it does not. It, so, it, it does not. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, I want, I want every, I want everyone to know that, not just you, because I can't imagine a world where I post a video of me playing heads up with my friends, super drunk. But like when, when I think about something like, really silly, really happy. That's what I think about. And then I get nervous. Like, isn't that a crazy thing to be nervous about? But for me, that's it. That's what makes my heart beat faster. Um, and it has nothing. I don't need anyone to know that except me. Um, and now you, uh, and, and now all of our listeners, <laughs> <laughs> not everyone who listens to this, but, um, all of those things that you just said to me, I, I, I appreciate them so much because, you know, I I don't have a ton of models of the life that I want, except for those few people that you named. Um, And I certainly do not have anyone in my like close circle. I mean, all my friends are brilliant actors um, for the most part. My partner's a therapist and um, I'm, I'm over here like, like doing it, but um, it, I know it's uh, over there in the corner but these women, these role models of mine are old, are significantly older. So I know, I know I'm, I'm in a different area. And so I'm making my own path. Exactly. But like, but damn, like that it is, that's what I want. That. I mean, when, when, uh, love warrior came out, when, when some of these major books came out from these people, there was no Instagram. Right. And I talk about this in the sense with, with Rachel too, with yoga, because there's, you know, the Sean Corns and the Steph Snyders and, and the, and they, the biggest thing was to be the cover of yoga, yoga journal. That was it. You know, like yeah, it's a different yikes. world that you're paving. And that's what I mean. Like, it's a new generation. It's a new way of being an artist. It's a new way of existing. And I think that Glennon and and Elizabeth Gilbert are doing a really good job at navigating that now, but they were already successful by the time Instagram came about. So of course it's just a different way of being. And, and I, 
I just appreciate that there are these new artists and these new writers that are just paving the way for like what it looks like to be a writer. Um, the life of a writer in 2020 just looks really different. And I think you're navigating it really well. And, and I'm happy to know you and cheer you on and support your brilliance, uh, in any way I can. <laughs> likewise, likewise. I'm so happy to know you and, and meet another Gemini in the wild. And, oh yeah. Uh, I'm excited by your brain and, um, I'm so, I'm so proud of you for your mental health journey. And like, I love Lexapro. I don't use it, but damn, it saved so many people that I loved. And I'm so happy that. Yeah. That you, I scream that, it from the rooftops. I was on a podcast over the summer and he's like, what are you doing? Like everything's going so well. Da, 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 da. And I, I started it and I was like, well, I could tell you that it's my daily baths or my walks to the beach. My husband and I moved to the beach and you know, Da, 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 da. I'm like listed all this stuff. And I was like, but I wouldn't be getting out of bed or doing any of that if it wasn't for Lexapro. And it just that sort of like stopped true. in its tracks. And um, so many people actually have gotten on Lexapro because I've been just yelling about it so much and screaming about it in every way. And that is an area that I feel outrageously confident in because I know anxiety really well. I feel like definitely an expert in anxiety and depression and it comes in different forms and shapes, obviously. And it's always evolving. Like you were talking about, you have a recent diagnosis, um, which is taking you down another mental mm -hmm. health rabbit hole. And, um, yeah. I mean, my mother-in-law even recently was saying, oh, well, I was having an experience, but they didn't call it panic attacks in those days. They didn't call it. Uh, yeah. It was just, yeah. it's a different way. And yeah. yes, there are people to look up to and yes, there are people doing work, but you are paving the way in so many of those areas. And I feel like in my own little world, I call myself a micro influencer jokingly, but it's real because it's real. It's my, real. my, um, my followers and people, they engage, man. They buy what I say. They read what I like. I have to be so careful with my words and what I share and what I post, because there are people that are listening and hanging on what I'm saying and what I'm sharing. And, um, mental health to me is like, I want to talk, I just want to talk about it all the time. Um, and I'm so glad that people like us are creating those spaces. So yeah. give me all of the calls to action. I think that there's only just one, but how can we learn more, read more? Where do we go to, um, go down the rabbit hole? That is really, <laughs> it is always in one place, which is safe or not safe. Who knows? Um, it is my Instagram at Haley Jacobson. Um, that's, that's where you'll find me for everything. Uh, I am on TikTok, and that is fun, but it is different and it is just fun. Yeah. Um, uh, but I do think everybody should be on TikTok. That's my own personal opinion. Um, but yes, you can find me on Instagram and, um, she's a great just, follow. It's like, sometimes you laugh, sometimes you cry, but it's always an experience. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good log line for me. <laughs> well, I make those for a living. So, um, oh, well, there you go. The last thing I want to ask you as we wrap up is if you have a prayer or a message for your readers, like if, 
you close your eyes and you picture the person that you are writing to, um, what would you tell them if they were sitting across from you? Like, what is the prayer after somebody reads your writing or finds you on Instagram? Like, what is the message that you want them to really walk away with? Mm, um, I think the message is you get to have it all, everything and anything you get to have it all. You deserve it. And you are, entirely special. And, and I mean that in the least possible cliche way, but cliches do exist for a reason. So I say that all the time. It's so real. Cliches are real. (laughs) They're real. (laughs) They're real. Yeah. It's so beautiful. I'm so happy to know you. I'll link your Instagram obviously in the show notes and I'll be sharing this on all of my channels. So this is a great way to start the new year. I'm super excited to step into the new year with this episode. It'll probably come out uh, the second week. So for everybody listening, um, thank you for being here. Um, obviously, I've really pivoted a lot in what's inspiring me and, and who I want to have on the podcast. And I just appreciate you for being here. We're getting more and more listeners every week. So obviously authenticity wins again. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And until next time, keep growing. Keep growing.